On today's show, it is part two of two with myself and Tyler Jones talking all things Hawks after 25 games. We'll get to all of that right now. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1612 of the Lockdown Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening. This is part two of two with my friend Tyler Jones and I talking all things Hawks. Please stay tuned, of course, and subscribe to the podcast. If you missed, by the way, anything from part one, that should be available in your podcast feed of choice right now. And without any further delay, let's dive back in to myself and Tyler talking all things Hawks after 25 games this season and a fun chat and really uh, a lot of fun to be had by all. So stay tuned. And here we go with Tyler. Okay. The Hawks are fourth in offense this season, right? It's pretty good. Uh, they're not. They haven't been as good as uh, what the Pacers. I think they're number one right now still, or, or Philly's up, up there too. But they they've been really good on, on offense. Time to the point where is Philly? Time out. Hold on. Hold on. Is Philly going to play a real basketball team? Okay. I so swear, that's... every time every time I watch every time I see a box score of the Philly game, they're playing they play either Charlotte? the Pistons, yeah. the Hornets, or the Wizards. What is this schedule for them? Like so they, I'm they, looking at it now. So uh, EPM, so EPM, uh, does, oh, uh, sorry, Dunks and Threes, they, they do EPM. But they have a bunch of other metrics, and they do, they do a great job, Dunks and Threes. Um, strength of schedule right now. Number one, the Hawks are like sixth in the league. It's a difficult schedule so far. They also have offensive strength of schedule and defense, defense strength of schedule. And the Sixers have the uh, tw- third easiest offensive strength of schedule this year. Uh, so that that is part of why they are doing what they are doing. But they're good on offense. I mean, obviously, Embiid's really good. Max is really good, etc. Um, not to derail the podcast about the Sixers, but the Hawks are playing at an elite level on offense. That's just objectively true. Um, and that's with, you know, we'll talk about it, but Trey and Bogey have been great for the last couple weeks. That's part of why they're up there. But, you know, early in the year, DeJounte was playing well. He kind of cooled off, uh, etc. So I'm with you 100% on, like, the archetype thought of this team still kind of exists like and it was always top three top five offense decent enough defensively and so far one half of that is true defensively they have not been decent enough and again we just talked about that for 30 minutes it's some of that's personnel based they just haven't been good enough on on defense and also something i want to at least throw out there before i forget to do this the hawks currently are four and ten in games that the nba.com picks up as clutch situations so the Hawks have lost close games, and you could you can define that as a skill it's, thing. It could be a luck thing. However you want to put that, that's a separate conversation. The Hawks point differential is about is about a twelve and thirteen team right now, and they're ten and fifteen. So they've lost two games. They probably should have won somewhere in there. You know what I mean? And again, I'm not trying to have anybody's opinion about what that all means. I'm just giving you the information. I can see Tower's face, but. You're, you're you're telling me that the next game, the Hawks probably should have just won that outright instead. That of. that is probably the the single best example that I have gone to as well was that home game. That one, they lost or by the one Pacers, point. They lost against the, the Pacers where Tyrese yep. Halliburton and Buddy Hill did not miss a shot in the second. Tyrese half. made every shot in the fourth quarter. And look, and sometimes over eighty-two games, that stuff is gonna happen. You're not gonna win every game that you quote unquote should. Or win. or or is it the Raptors game where? Pascal Siakam made five threes in the game. Had he made five threes all season? 
Um, that's why I want so, it. So, look, I've I've done this bit before, and some people hate it, some people love it. It is what it is. The Knicks. Uh, about, about, the, about, the, about the bad loss thing, whatever. I'm not doing that again. But objectively, I can't think of the only game I can think of right now. I can think of one game this year that the Hawks kind of stole, and it was that Orlando game in Mexico City. Woo, they they kind they kind of stole that one, right? But I can think of on the other side four or five games, maybe six games that the Hawks kind of had stolen from them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's a very uh, anecdotal sample size. But like, it's not uh, it's not really scientific. But like, no, yeah, I can but I'm looking that. at I'm looking at the basketball right now. Like, I'm looking at, at, at just the schedule right now. The Hawks have. I'm remembering things in my brain about these games where, yeah, there are. I would say they probably played seven or eight games this year that were toss ups late in the fourth quarter. And they've won, I think, two of them. It's hurt. It, what what has hurt is not having Jalen. Because a yeah. lot of teams smartly press up on everybody. And then they're like, we're going to trap Trey at half court. And we're going to force somebody else to do something. And DeJounte has not been the best decision maker in those situations. And no, he's not and- He's not. He's had some fourth quarter issues. Trey, you know, has has had some bad moments late in the game. Obviously, he's had great moments too. I mean, Trey, um, Trey, Trey has bad turnover moments, but mm-hmm. they hurt more. They he hurt presses. more because they because like they can't get a stop on defense, and so like no, he it, can't it, make. Think, he can't if he, he makes a mistake. That. If he makes a mistake, the game's over. So he's in like super high pressurized situation where he's got to yep. do everything, and he's actually been pretty good. Like to me, he's been good. Like Trey's been elite. No, Trey. Uh, we Trey outside outside of outside of missing shots for the first eight or ten games for like seven or eight games, he he shot terribly for about two or three weeks, right, to open the season. We all chronicled that endlessly. Ever since then, he's been completely lights out. And even at that point, I know you talked about this on the last podcast about a month ago. He wasn't playing badly. Nope. He just wasn't making any shots. And that there are two different things there. And I get that Trey in particular, especially uh, when you get kind of past some of the nuanced stuff, people just attribute Trey to to numbers. It's like, oh, if he's not scoring, et cetera. He was playing really well at times and just not making shots. Now he's making shots, which is obviously better. But I think he's had a pretty good year on the whole, even involving right. the first There's almost games. like there's a correlation between – if he's making shots or not, <laughs> or if he's getting to the free throw line or not, because like his uh, free throw rate has declined with the yeah. fact that he's just making every shot. So when he, but when he's missing shots, he, he's taking more. He goes too. to get getting to the free throw line, which yep. makes him so good offensively because he's never truly in a slump. That's right. That's the point. That's why he's so. That's why he's, he's one of the elite players in the NBA. I don't understand why people don't understand this. Like <laughs> well, it's not and- difficult. Well, it is isn't difficult. I'm with you. But I I do think that for a lot of people, um, people look at the traditional field goal percentage, three point percentage, and that's that's where they that's kind of where they stop. But Trey's always been a guy. 38% from three now. Yeah, he's been hot for a long time. Brett, he's on pace to make like 280 plus threes on. No, I talked about it last night on the show. Last 12 games, he's taking about 11 threes per game and making 44% of them. Like, that's not going to sustain. That's that's too high. But he was kind of due for a positive regression. Like, he's going to make shots. And, yeah, he's up to nine per game now. That's a ton of attempts. He's shooting well from three. Um, and we all – obviously, people know that we're thinking that Trey's good on offense because he is. But I, I do think that it's fair to be like, okay, the Hawks are fourth in offense right now. 
Trey has not been anything that's like out of the norm for him on the whole. Like, it's not like he's having this crazy stretch. I mean, right now he's shooting the ball away from three. But for the full season, his numbers look kind of normal for him. DeJounte's numbers look kind of normal for him. You, you could pick that apart. There are issues with DeJounte. I will certainly be the first to say. But, like, he's still averaging 25-5 and five or whatever it is, something like that. He's been not incredibly efficient, but he won't be efficient. Like, he's not going to be efficient. He's never been efficient in his, in his entire career. So, like, he kind of is what he is. They have a top-five offense. Jalen's missed now half the season, essentially. So far, DeAndre Hunter has been fine. Like, no one's having, I mean, maybe you could argue Bogey is a little bit above his head because he's been just outrageously good so far. But Bogey's really but good, man. Seen, like, Bogey's but healthy. We've seen, but we've seen Bogey play at the before. Correct. Bogey and he's doing healthy. it now. And knock on wood, I mean, the good thing is right now he's banged up and it's an ankle. It's not the knee. That's a, that's a really good sign. Bogey's knees are the problem. So circle that. But yeah, I, I think that it's fair to be like, the offense is real. I mean, there's no reason under the hood, if you look at the offensive numbers, and I won't bore everybody with, with them now, it's not an outlier that the Hawks are fourth in offense. It's not. It seems anything, like. You can, make a, you can make an argument. They probably should be even higher than that, like, honestly. like based, But if they, like, it's, it's, tough, it's tough to really illustrate my point here, but I'm just going to say this. With the way in which the shot quality of Trey and Bogey are getting – in this offense, this is the best. These these are the highest caliber of shots they've gotten in their career. Both of them, like they're just yeah. Trey in particular, like I don't think it's a surprise he's he's making like forty plus percent from three, considering the shot quality of the shots he's taking. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks, and Prize Picks is the largest DFS platform in North America, and also the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. At a Prize Picks, you pick two to six players, and then choose whether they have more or less than a certain number of points, rebounds, assists, or other categories across other sports. And when it's 25 times money on your entries right now, you also have combo projections across sports that includes two or more players from different sports, different leagues pushed together in the same projection. And Prize Picks also has a huge selection of sports and stats apps to offer anywhere else. They have projections on the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, and many more. And they have a reboot policy at Prize Picks as well. They are the only DFS platform with an injury insurance policy. I've really enjoyed checking out Prize Picks for quite some time now. And I dig in all the time to the NBA world as well as the NFL, college football, etc. And I certainly ex- I would re- I recommend the experience at Prospects at the highest level. Uh, it's easy, it's fun, it's sort of intuitive, and I really enjoy digging in all the time. And the place to go to find Prospects and all of the exciting opportunities there is PricePicks.com/slash LockedOnNBA. Use promo code LockedOnNBA for first-time deposit match up to $100. One more time, that is PricePicks.com/slash LockedOnNBA, and use code LockedOnNBA when you get there. Check out daily fantasy sports made easy with Price Picks. Their offense has been much, and I know this is going to sound crazy because they're 10 and 15, and I get that. The way their offense is running, the shots they are getting, just not even just trained and bogey, but I agree with that's part of it. Even DeJounte, he's still, it's not my favorite shot profile, but he's taking more threes. Like he, he's, he's doing, he's doing more of what they want him to do on offense. Um, they're really, they're not taking a bunch of bad shots. Like their, their shot profile is much better than it was in previous years. Is it perfect? No, it's not. But like, again, the underlying metrics on the offensive end of the floor are really good. Go back to that, that number about dunks and threes and the um, schedule strength. They're fourth in the league in offense with a top 10 schedule strength on offense. So like they're playing good defenses and they're still scoring on them. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I'm worried really at all. And again, Jalen's def- Jalen's absence has felt more on defense, but I've repeatedly made the point, 
they feel it on offense too. Like he's the he's the guy on the team that puts pressure on the rim the most, and he's also the guy on the team that has the best transition player. And they don't have either one of those things right now. So defensively, we talked about it for a half hour earlier, but it is true. Like that's a huge loss. But they miss him on offense too, and he's not been there. And yeah, I'll be the first to say like you they, can, they, I can they, you can probably attribute. Sorry, I didn't mean you can no, probably you attribute some of Dejounte's recent struggles with the lack of Jalen's ability to just push the ball up the floor. Get it yeah. to him quickly. Easy stuff. DeJounte, like Dejounte's so much better when he's not going up against the set defense. When he gets to go real quick, get to that little, you know, the seven to twelve foot mid range that he likes. He but it's a better shot for him, yeah, than uh, what what he generates for himself in the half court when there's no when when the action is dead and they need like when they need a bucket and it's like seven seconds like left in the shot clock. I prefer Dejounte working with a quicker clock. Jalen helps with that with his transition play. Absolutely, and they're and unsurprisingly, their transition numbers are way down, both frequency and accuracy, since he was out. And that's he's one, he's the only guy on the team that can grab and go like that. You know what I mean? And honestly, we can debate it. He's probably top five or ten in the league at that. Like he's really good at that between the uh, the ability to get the rebound and also. Go end to end. It's not. He doesn't always have to finish you. He's, he's a good passer. He's a willing passer on the move. They missed Jalen Johnson. So I saw a stat make of the rounds today about how the Hawks are like not that high in like games missed minutes. But and look, they actually haven't had bad health overall. Uh, no. I will say that there there have been years in the past. Two years ago in particular, the Hawks had a terrible health season, and it bit them. Last year, they actually weren't that hurt, and people kind of thought they were, and they weren't. This year, it's really only been Jalen. But we talked about it earlier, like that's a huge loss. And the problem is they're going to probably get banged up at some point elsewhere. It's just that it, hopefully it won't be Jalen once, once he comes well, back. I mean, the um, thing is, Brad, for the last couple of years, the Hawks haven't been a deep team because, again, the moves they don't make in the offseason. And, like, well, and, you know, you know yes, other teams, other teams. Other teams use the mid-level and maybe use the uh, mid-level and maybe use the trade use, exceptions. That they use have. every use every tool in their disposal just to fill out their roster so that you have a Dante Exum off your bench who might well, we not can, play to we, begin the we, season. We don't have we don't have to do you know the the hour version of this, but just to say it because you brought it up, the Hawks have two years in a row traded a good basketball player who was a starter for them and got nothing back. And yes, they they did go trade for Sadiq Bay, so that helped. But you know that is going from Kevin Herter and John Collins to Sadiq Bay does not make your team better. It makes your team cheaper, <laughs> but does not make your team better. And again, the Hawks still have the mid level right now. If the Hawks want, if there was a, a mythical player somewhere in in the world right now that, that wanted to sign for the mid, the mid level, the Hawks could sign that player right now to the full mid level. They they have the whole thing. They just haven't wanted to use it. Um, okay, so before we get out of here couple things. They're 10 and 15. We talked about they're a little bit unlucky. Um, what in your mind, acknowledging that J- well, ho- hopefully Jalen will be back in a, in a week or two. I, I don't I don't know. We don't have an update on Jalen yet, but he's been warming up. He's been jump shots. It's his left it's his left wrist, which is helpful. Like, he, he can still shoot. Like, he doesn't have to He's he, it's, it's, it's his guide hand as a shooter. I'm doing that on the YouTube folk, for folks. But, um, so I think that's that's a good sign. He could stay, he kind of stay in more shape. He's, he could stay he could stay in athletic shape. He can shoot a little bit, provided he's back pretty soon. The Hawks are actually currently, as we're recording this podcast, they're in the play-in. They're tied for tenth, but they're in the play-in. Uh, so you would I know the fist pump is there from Tyler. Uh, 
that isn't where anybody wants to be. I will acknowledge that. With that said, nothing's off the table for this team. Like I, I, I think that the one thing I've kind of said the last couple of weeks, I want, to, I want to know what you think about this. I think some of their higher end outcomes for the regular season are probably off the table now. Like I thought they might, I thought they could go out there and win 52 games this year. I thought, I thought that was possible coming into the season. Let me not, let me not just, likely, but possible. Go ahead. I still think it's possible if Trey's going to continue to play at this level. They just have to be. Anything. I mean, Brett, Brett. I, I hear just, you. I hear you. I know. It's just it's just the math of it. I'm not saying they can't play at that level. It's just that if they do that for a while, you bank 15 losses. Like you have to kind of play at a 61 level to get there. Which is I yeah, guess. but I mean, if Trey if Trey's going to continue to play as one of the what six or seven best players in the, in the in in the entire world as a basketball player, like if he's going to continue at this level for the rest of the season, like look, man, there have no, only been Tyler. It's actually Trey's Trey, fault they're losing. I'm, I'm not sure if you oh. knew that. I'm, I'm told regularly. He's got to do, do more. He has to do more off ball. He's got to do. Uh, the man, the man is set to make over 283. Something that I I, I looked at it. I think somebody somebody's going to call you a Trey Bay. Somebody's going to call James you a Trey Harden, Bay on this podcast. Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are the only three basketball players, and I think Buddy Hill actually is close to that. Like, there's only been like four guys who have made as many threes as Trey's on pace to make. Now Trey is going to be because uh, Tyrese Halliburton just never misses, so he does not. Tyrese Halliburton is going to be in the list too. But like to me, I'm like my 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 takeaway the bigger picture if Trey's going to get these level of three pointers where he's just going to get in the rhythm where where he's he's just going to be guaranteed four or five open three pointers every game not the contested ones that he can make with regularity but like just wide open threes whether it be off ball because of his off ball movement or by him creating for himself in such a way cuz he puts so much pressure with his passing this like this is the optimized version of Trey. Like this to me, I'm like to me, bigger picture, I'm like, Trey plays like this, continues to play like this. The Hawks are going to go on a run. Like, especially if Trey and Bogey are just gonna be at this level. Cause like I'm talking about Trey right now. Bogey, this is comfortably the best I've ever seen Bogey play basketball. Like he is he's been very good. He is making a like I, I don't know if any other player can match. The variety of three pointers he's taking right now, outside of maybe Steph Curry, like just well, it's the way that I would, from, just, I, would from, I would comp it to, to Bogey. Like this is this is the stretch that he kind of had in the last two months of 2021 when they when he was a better shoot when he was the best shooter in the world when he shot he literally shot 50 percent from three for about two months and that was a big reason why the Hawks made the run they made. Uh, and I'm not saying he's he's not shooting that accurately right now he's, he's in the 40s he's still shooting the ball great and if i had a vote today and i know people are going to say that I, i'm actually not biased on this stuff I, I, i'm not there's no investment for me i think bogey has been the best reserve aka sixth man in the nba this season so far if the season ended today i vote for bogey number one i will uh, say now that you brought this up because i meant to bring this up some of their late game execution issues is that bogey isn't on the floor uh, we should have brought that up because that's that's a a, a regular is, thing I a, hear about from fans too, and I, I don't blame anybody because like Bogey, I, I said this last night, and I got, I got pushed back. I'm not sure if you if you heard it or not. I, I I basically just said the Hawks were without three of their best five players last night, and people were like getting mad at me, and I'm like, well, I personally think Bogey and Bogey is in their top five, and I believe that Clint's in their top five. I think Jalen's obviously universally in their top five now, but I think their best five their best five players. 
AK and because these guys can play can play together on on the floor. Their best five players involves Bogey. So if he's not closing, people are going to ask questions. And I think that part of it is that he can't play thirty seven minutes regularly. Like they're trying to at no, least keep can't. an eye on him a little bit. They're they're definitely pushing him right now. I'll say they're not holding back on Bogey a ton. But I think that some of the times when he's when he's not playing late in the game, it's not an excuse. It's just this is just kind of the reality is that. If he if, if it's like if he stays in the whole rest of the game, he's gonna play forty minutes, and it's like he can't kind of get there. But I agree with you. I, I think they probably should do more planning on bogey closing, which means like more staggering, more short stints, etc. Like I do think that offensively, and uh, ooh, we'll save this for later. There there is an argument on certain nights to be sure that he might be better closing than Dejounte. Certain. <laughs> I, I've I've been tweeting about it. I, I know like, I know you, I know you have, and that's that's why I'm bringing it up. It's my. <laughs> Look, uh, practically even even if even if you believe that they're it's not, not they're happen. not going to they're not going to do that. But and, I, I do think that they could they could especially if they have and right now it's hard without Jalen. But maybe right now their best five might be the two centers, Trey Dejounte and Bogey. And yeah, that oh, leaves you without a wing defender, and I get that. But on a lot of nights, you know you don't have to have a six eight wing defender. Like if you're playing Boston, yeah, you have to you have to have. Only blunt here. I'd rather a Congo on on whatever wing, anyways. And that's what I'm saying. Like some, some nights or DeJounte right now because and, I, and some nights you you, you kind of have to have more beef. But like okay, last night's a good example. So Saturday night against Cleveland, Cleveland is a team that is unquestionably led right now, especially without Garland and Mobley. But even with Garland and Mobley, they're they're a guard team on offense. Like they're playing Donovan Mitchell. Like you don't have to have a wing defender on Donovan Mitchell. Like you're gonna have Dejounte guarding him anyway. That's not a great situation, I have to say, because he kind of cooked Dejounte when it mattered last night. But that would happen either way. So like, and, and this is me talking. You know how I feel about defense. I would be a little bit terrified of playing Trey Dejounte and Bogey in crunch time on defense, and I get that. But they're so good on offense with Bogey plays that there is an argument for just playing those three guys together with. You know, ideally Jalen in a center, but right now maybe it's a Kongwin. Maybe it's Kongwin Capella. I mean, I'm not saying that's that's every single night, but big picture, Bogey should close more because Bogey's really good, man. I mean, I'm probably in the bag a little bit for Bogey, but I think Bogey's like very, very good when healthy. And right now he's healthy. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. As the weather gets colder, the NBA and NFL offers stay hot at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're a new customer, get 150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 in your pocket in terms of bucks if your team wins. And beyond the awesome perks of signing up with FanDuel right now, they have all stuff they're looking for across the sports betting space. They have over-unders and money lines. They have point spreads, player props, future bets, game props. They have same-game parlays, live betting, and all the other offers that you're looking for in the sports betting space. And the app is also safe and secure at FanDuel. They cover the entire range of sports as well. That includes the NFL and the NBA, of course, but also the WNBA, college basketball, MLB when it's in season, and also futures right now on the baseball side, golf, tennis, soccer, auto racing, MMA, boxing. It is all there for you at FanDuel, and they have tons of Hawks options as well in advance of the game on Monday against Detroit and well beyond that. Live bets when the game's going on, futures, player awards, etc. And now is the best possible time to sign up with the folks at FanDuel. And the place to go is FanDuel.com slash locked on. Check out the official support partner of the Locked On Podcast Network with an offer that you will not want to miss. It's really an awesome offer. FanDuel.com slash locked on is the place to go. One more time, FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel is official partner of the NFL. Bogey makes a lot of decisions easier for Trey because oh, he yeah. gives him the option to just throw him the ball, like wherever he is. And, and he knows Bogey's going to just shoot it. 
The and issue teams, is sometimes teams they have. fly to bogey too. Teams, teams are terrified of bogey, and they should be. Teams they, guard bogey differently than everybody else, other than Trey. Trey and bogey, DeJounte, all respect to DeJounte, he doesn't get the attention bogey gets. He doesn't. And especially, off, especially of, off the ball. Off the, on the ball, too. Like, teams don't respect DeJounte late game. Like, they, they put whatever defender they – they put their well, weakest defender on DeJounte, and they're like, go ahead with the 15-footer, bro. Well, and they and, and honestly, there's the, there's a whole dis- discussion about that, but I think that we've now, we've now seen repeatedly for two for a season and a half, Trey gets blitzed. Trey, Trey gets the treatment regularly of the get the ball out of Trey's hands that he was still that he was getting pre-DeJounte. He still gets guarded that way because they don't feel they teams would rather have Trey, anybody beat them but Trey. And that includes DeJounte. That includes Bogey, too, to be fair. But, like, Trey still gets, even with DeJounte on the court, Trey still gets guarded like he's the only guy a lot of times. And that's kind of an which indictment is, of DeJounte. <laughs> but, um, which is, is really know, why they miss, this, this is really, like, to me, this is why they really miss Jalen. Because you do that, you put a four-on-three situation with Jalen to the rim. Yeah. He might just dunk it on somebody's head. And that's just, like, not an option without him right now. Well, they so, don't have anybody else like, that can do that. To bring to bring yeah, this whole, and, and full circle, there's full nobody circle, else that can they, do that. Nobody else that can do that. So it's like they they got to they got to figure some stuff out um, with how they close and close games. But ideally, the best way to win close games, Brad, as you know, is to not play in them. It's to, it's to score. And and, yeah, it was not play. Also, it's to score. It's to not play in them. And if yeah. and the way for them to not play them is to get some stops. And that's why I'm like, go big early. Yeah. You know, set the tone defensively, and then close with the smaller lineups when you want to put the game away. And like, like I feel like they did against the Raptors. Like you know, yeah, you got you got. To me, I feel like you you need to understand that Clinton and Yeka are just much better basketball players than your small forwards that you have playing thirty two plus minutes every night. Like Hunter and yeah. Bay just aren't that caliber of player. To where they should be playing thirty-two plus minutes every game. Where when you have somebody like Okongwu and Capella, and even Bruno as a as a third big option, like let's lean on your on your good centered size players. I get it; it's two centers, but we've seen in this league, especially with Okongwu. Like I want to point out, especially with Okongwu's passing in his DHO game, where he's creating really good looks. You know, just running DHO, you can get by with that. Like. That's how the Celtics built their title contending team. They don't yep. do it anymore. <laughs> but like they did it with Horford and, and Robert Williams. I mean, they still do it now with Horford and Brazingas. But it's like play bigger, trust the Congo to make the right reads, and and, and and win some games. Like enough, enough. Like to me, I'm like, I am so done of watching Hunter Bay as a pairing. I hated it. I hated it, Brad. Yeah, I was I blowing up your mentions day you were, one. You were right. I was like, I hate this. It's never going to work. They're not the caliber of player you can play at. At no point in NBA history could you get away with playing players like Bay and Hunter at your at your forward spots if you I do. don't if you don't have Drew Holiday at the point of attack defense. Well, that's the, the, the key problem with that. Not you don't have Drew Holiday. Thing. You don't have Derek White. You don't yeah. have you don't well, have the requisite point of attack defender. Well, you know. They could have had both of them. We'll talk about that in maybe another I, I, day. I, I, I was going to say that the key the key problems there. I, I agree with your point. The key problems there are that they they at some point fundamentally misevaluated Dejounte's defense. They just did when they made the trade. They did, they yeah. just did, and then also 
I have to get my my every show a mention of Bay is a much worse defender than people thought he was. Bay's Bay's a really bad defender. It's he's really bad. I'm sorry. He masked it by playing super hard. Before. And he does. And that's the thing. And, I, and, I, and to be fair, and to be fair to him, he's played better. I feel like he's played better. He has been a little bit better. And look, and the reason why I feel bad is that it's not a, like some guys on defense. It's an effort problem. Some guys. City play. City plays hard. It's not a situation where he's not bought in. It's that he makes a ton of mistakes, and he's really limited. Just side it's to the side combination. Physical. You can't both make a lot of mistakes and also right. not have the athleticism. That, and that's and that's the problem. And he does. And he, that's the to, issue. He just doesn't point, have the athleticism. He, he does play physically. He does play. He uses his size. He's very strong. We all we've all kind of seen that. But anyway, the fact that um, the reason one of the reasons why that pairing doesn't work is that you're, if you're playing that pairing with Trey and Dejounte. Hunter is a solid defender. Like he's not a game changer, and he's a solid defender. But if you have three weaknesses on the court together, and Dejounte is a weakness, I mean, I, one day people will buy into this. Dejounte is a negative defender. Yeah, man. He I is. I feel bad because like I I think Dejounte overall has been fine. I'm not. Yeah, he's look, but I, he's just I'm not, not piling the on Dejounte. I, I don't want to. I don't want to. He does do good things, and I feel he like. Does. He's getting Trey some cleaner looks. Like they 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 did some interesting stuff Definitely. with him. No, the they Raptors. they have generally you speaking know. under Quinn integrated Trey and Ajante way better, yeah. and the, and offensively it is making more and more sense. Those guys are figuring. And again, I said it, I said it earlier once before on this podcast, but credit to DJ, he still has his tendencies, but he's taking more threes. He's he's playing off the ball more, and he's less of this like. He still loves to probe, take mid-rangers, but like he will let a catch and shoot three rip now in a way he was not doing a year ago. Like he he's bought in more there. And Trey's same thing, like you said earlier. Trey's taking catch and shoot threes, he's moving more. So like it's not about DJ being bad. It's just that defensively, they thought they were getting I'm not saying they thought they thought they were getting Drew Holiday. They thought they were getting a better defender. <laughs> they just they just they just kind of fundamentally did in the trade. So anyway, uh we we said a lot of positive things. They're still ten and fifteen. Like no one's no one's happy. I, I can tell you right now, Towers not very happy about the state of the Hawks at this point in time. But um, I, I do think that uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they respond because, look, it's not an excuse, and I, I get I get accused of making excuses for the Hawks. It's more that I just say what I see. The timing of the Jalen injury was brutal for them. They had a yeah. very really hard schedule as soon as he got hurt, and. You know they lost those games, and that, those games still matter. But like, again, I keep reading this, but they they lost to Boston, Cleveland, Milwaukee, Philly, and Cleveland on the road. Those are all games they were gonna be underdogs in, and they lost to Den- and then they had, then, and then they had Denver at home. Congratulations, you get you get the full strength champions at had, had had Denver at home without Hunter and Jalen, right? Playing and, the, and so, possibly the biggest team in the NBA, right? And the two the two games in this stretch without Jalen, where you could have said the Hawks were either favored or like coin flips on paper to win these games would have been the aforementioned Brooklyn game that they should have won, and that's the one that they they should regret that one. They, that's one that they, they, they might get away at home. That's one that they should have won, and then the first game in Toronto they lost. But like, if you tell me that you're going to split on the road in Toronto, that's not a bad result. So like. Yeah, they're two and eight without Jalen. Like that—that is the reality, and it's bad. You don't want to go two and eight ever. And I meant to say this earlier about Dejounte, (laughs) um, to bring it back a little bit. But like 
in a vacuum, DeJounte is a good basketball player, but part of me does feel like the team would be better if DeJounte was a defense first, like size guard, like somebody who is a, a very good point of attack defender who's going to cause havoc on that side of the floor and be yeah. a, more of a floor spacer. Because if you're the issue right now with Trey and DeJounte is Trey's not getting any benefit. DeJounte is getting benefit from playing alongside Trey. I think that's evident in the quality of shots he's able to get for himself. Uh, but like Trey's not really like there's really been no boon for Trey in particular playing next to DeJounte, at least offensively. Like there's nothing DeJounte is doing offensively that can't be replicated by what, what Bogey could possibly do, you know, playing more alongside him. And we'll see. Like it, the the only way to trade Dejounte Parent is really going to work is if Dejounte is just a better defender than what he's shown to be in Atlanta. And he's just not a like flat out, flat out like reality. He's not a good defender. Yeah, he's and actively the, like not even in the, the next, top like thirty <laughs> defensive the, the, guards. The the next time that you and I do a pod, we'll, I'm sure people probably probably wanted it more now, but it's it's still mid December. You and I will do just a little bit more of like team building talk at some point uh, about what they need to do or not do or buy or sell, et cetera. Like you know, as you might expect, Tyler, um, most of the questions I get these days are about transactions and. Uh, what should happen next and all that stuff, and we'll, we'll save it for later because it's, it's yeah. I, and I get I get the trade season kind of open this week with December fifteenth kind of happening, but it's still really early. I, I know people don't want deals and they want deals now, and I get that, but like the vast majority of trades don't happen until like the last week of January or early February, so like we're still a month plus from that, and the Hawks are ten and fifteen, and my my short version has has been this year so far, uh, it's really hard to buy. When you're 10 and 15, even if you have a reason why you're 10 and 15, and from this terrible conversation, you and I feel like that they're better than this. I think that I can speak for you, I think, on that. They're better than this, but it's really hard fundamentally to make a, a win now move when you're 10th in the Eastern Conference. Like, it's just not. That's not going to happen, yeah. probably. Maybe it will. I don't know. Maybe Tony will just come in and be like, "We're doing it." Uh, that might happen. That's you have a very yeah, active. They're going to <laughs> trade for Gallinari and Dylan Wright. Can you imagine if they yeah. traded for, for Gallo and oh for Gallo and Alon? That'd be great. They could um, use both of them. They, they could. could use both of them. <laughs> That's 100 true. All right, uh, we could go another hour. We, we won't do that. Um, I'll have you back soon. I appreciate you doing this. Um, I wanted to get you uh, booked before uh, any Christmas holiday-related travel. So I appreciate you doing this on a Sunday. Um, busy time for the Hawks. They're playing again Monday night. I said it before yesterday. I'll say it again now. An absolutely no upside spot for the Hawks on Monday. If they win, no one cares because they just beat the Pistons. If they lose, it's the end of humanity. So that's gonna oh, be- they're gonna. I, I can't wait. They're gonna look. Brad, me and you both know they're gonna lose tomorrow, especially if they if, every close not healthy. Every Hawks not fans mentioned. Every Hawks fans mentioned this already. Uh, the Hawks have uh, just for everybody knows this. Capella, Bogey, and Hunter are all questionable. Uh, AJ's out it's still. Happening. Jalen's out still. It's happening. Uh, I hope that look. I think they're gonna win. My my brain tells me they're gonna win. My Atlanta sports hardened heart is kind of on your side, but. We'll see what happens. Uh, but anyway, before we get out of here, I have to give you uh, the floor for a moment or two to uh, give you recommendations because that's, that's part of the appeal of this podcast when you're on. So what's going on? Yeah, I'm going to be quick because I more or less it's not a new season of anime. So the stuff I was watching before, I'm still watching because it's still all still applies. All right. But um, I did see the Born the Heron. Heron. I think that's how you say Heron. Uh, 
it's the latest Miyazaki movie. Uh, the best way I can describe it, and the best, and, and I mean this in the most positive way possible, it's very much reminiscent of how '90s Disney uh, animated movies were. So, like, if you are a fan of Aladdin or a fan of um, Pocahontas, Lion King, stuff like that, it's a very similar vibe. It's granted, I, I'm, the, the reality is those movies got that from Miyazaki, who was an absolute legend. So. If you're interested in anything animated, I cannot recommend going to watch that enough. It is different. It's not, Miyazaki does not make anime movies. He's not an anime person, but they are animated movies, if that makes sense. So go give that a watch if, if you're a fan of his or if you're just a fan of, of art in general, because it's, it, it, I had a great time watching it. And the, and the, it's a slow, it's a slower movie, um, but it's a it's a lot of show not tell as well a lot of it you're gonna to have to catch on your own they don't tell miyazaki's not a storyteller who's going to tell you what's happening he's going to show it to you you're going to have to you're going to have to take it in and and uh see where the story leads you so but it's it was a great move and i had a great time watching it so uh i can't recommend born heron enough but that's it there you that's go it. there you go the wrecks are always at the, at the top of the list i have i know we have listeners that uh wait all the way through to hear what's going on with Tyler's uh, viewing habits. So thank you, sir, for being here. I appreciate it. Uh, Pre-happy holidays and all that stuff to you and everybody listening to the podcast. We are a week or so from Christmas as we're recording this podcast, and the Hawks still have games. So they have game on Monday, game on Wednesday, two more after that. And, um, man, hold on tight for that Pistons game on Monday, <laughs> on Monday night. Uh, as, all right, everybody They're going else, to lose it, guys. They're oh, going to lose Lord it. Oh, Lord Tyler's leading uh, into nihilism at the end of the podcast. Please subscribe to this show anywhere you get your podcast follow tyler if he allows you to do so on twitter slash x at jonesy 2x4 he might not let you but that's okay um follow me if you'd like to as well um at bt rolling at locked on hawks etc thank you very much for listening as always everybody and we'll see you all next time